Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here today. Isn't it going to be a lovely day? 70-some degrees. Not like that day yesterday, huh? Ooh, it was chilly. Good to be with you. My name's Tim, and uh, welcome to Greater Olden Church. If you're a first-time guest, just relax. Nobody's going to hit you or bite you or anything like that. I don't, at least I don't think so. We haven't had that happen in a couple of weeks, so we're, you're good. Now, it's good to be together, and uh, you're gonna, if you've got a bulletin, you'll find inside some notes where you can follow along with the lesson. The ladies' retreat is just next weekend. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and I, I'm talking to my wife and I are looking at stuff uh, together, working on a lesson and things. And uh, man, I tell you what, some good things are planned. And we're looking at the the idea of gifted is is that is using our gifts and talents for God. And that'll be happening this weekend. Of course, the weekend of the ninth, April the ninth. Can you believe we're going to be into April? The weekend of the ninth, we're having a work day on Saturday, and I believe we're going to have some breakfast here if you like to have something to eat. And then we're going to get started and doing some odds and ends. I've already, I think we've got 17 or 18 things we want to do to kind of get ready for Easter. And I've already got those positions filled so far as somebody said, well, I'll try to help with that. So if you want to help as well, you come and we'll, we'll either put a paintbrush in your hand, a rake, or we'll make you just point. You can point at people and say, hey, you missed a spot. We need all the help we can get. But that's on April the 9th. And then, of course, uh, we're going to be having Easter before you know it. Uh, it. It's going to be here. Looking forward to that. We're going to be wrapping up this series on Easter. Let's see. We've been looking at the names, all these different names of Jesus. And we've been looking at, uh, there's, there's, almost, there's over 200. There's almost 200 names here that uh, Jesus is referred to. By him, he refers to himself by a few. We've looked at a few of those, and, and as well as other people, gave Jesus some names. Anybody here ever had a nickname given to you in your life? There were people that, yeah, Frank. I wonder, I wonder what that name is. I got to ask him. But you know, uh, I was called all kinds of names as well in school. Some of it because of physical, a physical feature, or maybe I said a word. I used to say "daggone it" all the time. "Daggone it, daggone it," because you got. You got a whooping if you tried the other word. So, daggone it, daggone it. And I remember some uh, Mike Potter calling me Daggone Timmy. And that's what I was called from the fourth grade on, as well as some other names that I don't like. But, uh, you know, we and there's some names we get, don't we? There's some names you and I get that we're not too crazy about. We don't want to be referred to that. We don't want to be, you know, in that, uh, associated with that particular name. Maybe you've got a family name. That maybe uh, your ancestors were just not on top of things, and they've you've inherited some of their reputation. Okay, uh, I have happened to have the last name Gill, and uh, when I go back home, I find out more and more information about our family. Our family was um, was into mischief a lot. So they so that explains why I would get stopped by the police sometimes when I was a teenager. You know, uh sometimes uh, people would say, "Oh, you're that you're Jimmy Gill's son." Oh. And I said, "Well, my mom's name is Rudell." "Oh, you're Rudy's son?" Oh. I'd get a totally different op, you know, effect there. And and Jesus had some names that people would call him names that would honor him, names like good teacher or master. Or, you know, uh, the La- one time John the Baptist goes, look, the Lamb of God. I mean, there's, there were some cool names that people called Jesus. And 
Others didn't call him, well, they weren't as nice. How's that? They called him all kinds of derogatory names. And they, and they were insulting names. And I, I wanted to talk about that today, about this idea of sticks and stones. We all know the phrase, sticks and stones may make, break my bones. And I heard someone say, but please don't throw sticks and stones. <laughs> but names will never hurt me. Well, that's not true, am I right? Names do hurt us. And people do that to us. They'll say certain things about us or they'll call us by a certain name. And what are they, what are they trying to do? Well, not only insult us, they're trying to put us down. They're trying to discourage us. Maybe they're trying to get us to back off or stop something. And that's what, that's what we see is we see these names given to Jesus really are voicing their disapproval of Him. And He had lots of critics. If you haven't figured it out by now, you follow Christ enough, you will gather not only some good friendships, but some critics. And they're going to disapprove of what you, how you live and what you say and, and the choices you make. Let me give you, I've got a list here of some names that Jesus was called that were not so nice. First of all, Jesus is a Samaritan. That's what some groups called Him. And that, that's a racial slur, by the way. Look what it says here. The Jews, uh, they're answered in John 8 here. We say you're a Samaritan. Are we not right when we say this? And so to, they attack Jesus' you know, the, the race He is. They say, oh, you're a Samaritan. You say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were not fully and truly Jewish. Way back in 721 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar took over the northern kingdom of Israel, just the northern part, he, he uh, shipped out all the powerful and influential people in that country, but he left the lowlifes and the riffraff, the ignorant, you know, the not-so-sharp you know, tool-in-the-shed kind of people. And the people that remained watched people from other countries that Nebuchadnezzar had taken over and they would come and repopulate the area or they brought with them pagan uh, religious practices and values. And so the Jews that stayed there began to intermarry with these people and they began to be corrupted. And so when the, when the Israelites finally came back from 70 years of captivity, there to meet them are people saying, fellow Israelite, you're not Israelite, you're a Samaritan. You're not a true Jew. You compromised. You copped out. You sold out. You intermarried. And you, when you study the Samaritans, they, they did have some pagan influence in their devotion to God. And so to call Jesus this was a racial slur. And it was saying, you know, you're not really a true Jew. Here's another one. Jesus is demon-possessed. They, they not only questioned Him, His ethnicity, but they also questioned His motives. They're saying, you're demon-possessed. But the teachers in religious law, it says here in Mark 3, who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. How would you like that? I know we got some kids that get into stuff. You know, but I mean, can you imagine that? They're saying, you're demon-possessed. They're trying to discredit him. So they're, they're attacking his motives. People will attack your motives. Good intentions. They'll, still, they'll question them and they'll attack them. Here's another one. Jesus is delusional. He's crazy. Here they're questioning and they're ridiculing his competence. Matthew, uh, Mark 3 here. When his family heard about it, they went to get him. They said, he's out of his mind. His family thinks he's crazy. I know for me, when I became a Christian, some of my family thought I was nuts. Thought I'd lost my mind. I was being brainwashed. I remember saying this to one of my uh, members of my family. Well, you know... Uh, if brainwashing me 
brainwashing my brain or brainwashing my mind means to be devoted to Jesus. I went like this, wash away, scrub all you want because I want to be devoted to Christ. And of course, I was met with, see, you are crazy. Here's another one. Jesus is a blasphemer and a liar. So now they're not only attacking his competence, they're now attacking his character. Call him a liar. You ever been called a liar? Sometimes it's true. Well, that just hit thud. Am I right? Sometimes it's true. We, we've stretched the truth. We leave out bits and pieces. Jesus it wasn't this way. He was the truth. But they call him a blasphemer and a liar. Again, but some of the teachers of religious, of, of religious law who were sitting there thought of them to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And they're saying, you can't, you're, you're, you're uh, committing blasphemy. You're putting some humanness into the deed of God, and that's wrong. You're giving, you're taking credit for being God. And so they attacked his character by calling him a liar. Here's another one. Jesus is a lush and a glutton. I don't know why. I'm thinking of uh, Talladega Nights. Remember the t-shirt? You know, you know I, I think Jesus is formal, but, he's, but he, he likes to party. And well, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people kind of have done that with Christ over the years. Well, he had this reputation, they believe. You know, so they attack his reputation. Here in Matthew 11, and the people said, this man is a glutton and he's a drunk. And he hangs around with tax collectors and sinners to boot. So they're attacking his reputation. Here's another one. Jesus is illegitimate. Now, they're, now they are attacking his heritage. Jesus is having a conversation with these guys and he's telling them about his father. And then they say this to him. We were not born of an unmarried woman. God is the father of us all. What are they trying to say? One translation says, we know who our dad is. Do you? And that was the rumor, see, when Jesus was born. You know, she's pregnant before they got married. What's going on there? You know, today, kids being born out of wedlock is probably not as shameful as it was back then. It, it was awful back then to be born that way. And so they used that as, a, as an insult to Jesus. And then another one is Jesus is a phony. In other words, they ridicule his past. Look what it says here in Mark 3, or Mark 6, I mean. In the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. Who does he think he is? So they're, they're bringing up his past and they're discrediting him as being the Messiah. See, Jesus lived with constant ridicule. He was constantly getting bashed. He was constantly having people show them and uh, uh, his, their disapproval of him. And so they attacked him on a constant basis. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to go, well, how did Jesus handle this? And how do we handle those moments of disapproval? Because we're going to have them. If you're a Christian, you're going to have moments. It's not, it might happen. It will happen when people will disapprove of you and begin to insult you in many of these ways. Well, let's, let's look at that first. How do I deal with disapproval? Number one, I realize that pleasing God will not please everyone. Are you a people pleaser? Has anybody ever told you that? Are you a people pleaser? If you're trying to please God, guess what? You're not, not everybody's going to like it. 
Um, here's a passage I want to read to you. It's not on the board. It's not in your notes. Let me read it to you. And the reason I'm reading it to you is I want us to understand something. You and I are here to please God, not everybody. Just remember that. Now, if you want to write this down, Luke 6, 26, it's in the message. So listen closely to this. This is Jesus speaking in Luke 6, 26. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not true contests. Look at how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. And he says this, your task is to be true, not popular. So one of the things i got to understand is I'm not here really to please everyone. I'm here to please God. And when I be, if not, I'm going to have a lot of trouble in my life. And if I'm going to have my trouble in my life either way, so why not, if I'm going to have trouble, whether it's, trying, have you ever tried to please everybody? You always get in trouble. You always get busted out, caught. You always get clobbered. So why not, if I'm going to please God and, and, this, and I'm going to have trouble, I'm going to choose that. It simplifies your life, you see. I don't know, again, I want to say it again. Is it me or does it just seem like the culture and our, our society has become ruder and nastier? It just seems like it's more and more and more, and especially in media now. With, with our media, within seconds, Twitter is or tweets or whatever, you know, people are lamb-blasting against somebody in an attempt to cancel them. And the thing is, the cancel culture is not new. It may have, it's just sped up. It's been around since the beginning. It's been around. It was around in Jesus' day. It's just as vicious and cruel as it ever was. Let me give you an example here. In John 15, 20, Jesus says this to His disciples. And every Christian needs to remember this. He says, remember the lesson I told you. Servants are no greater than their master. If people treated me badly, they will treat you badly too. You see, you're not going to please everyone. I was a, I, I am a big people pleaser. I didn't say was. I almost said was. I'd be lying to you. I find myself, I want everybody happy. I want, I want everybody to be happy with the church and happy with in my family and happy where I work. But sometimes you, it, gets, it ain't going to happen. You please one person and somebody else is upset. If you've ever been to Springfield and you walk through that tunnel of the Lincoln exhibit and you got one hologram yelling at you, you've went too far. And then all of a sudden another hologram hits you from the other side, you've not gone far enough. And they're saying this is what Lincoln was going through on a daily basis. Yeah, you, you can't please everybody. And that doesn't mean you ought to become calloused and, you know, harsh, hard-hearted. I can't please you, so... No, you can't do that. You know, we're to live at peace with everyone, but we need to understand, I can't live, I can't make everybody happy. And Jesus says, if they treated me, I was perfect. I did everything right, and I couldn't make everybody happy. Who are you to think you can? Can't happen. And I realize that facing opposition here from this passage, Jesus is wanting us, and you and I to know, facing opposition is is a necessary part of following Jesus. You can't escape it. Paul said this to Timothy, anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus and wants to live right will have trouble from others. It doesn't say if, it says will have trouble. 
Listen, folks, you want, to do, you want to do what God wants? Some people are just flat out not going to like it. They're going to have a problem with you. They're, and they're going to disapprove. Here's what Peter says. It's important for you to understand what will happen in the last days. People will laugh at you. See, people are going to ridicule your, your work, your ideas, your desires, your plans, your choices, your, your, your values. They're going, they're, going to, they're going to look at all that and they're going to criticize something there. Somebody will always be there. And it may be, it's going to, it'll come from a family member. It'll come from a friend. The workplace. It's, it, comes, it comes from maybe someone in your neighborhood. Even other Christians. One, I remember hearing this years ago when I was in preacher school. He said, you know, the, the people that gave Jesus the most trouble were religious people. Even other Christians may give you a hard time when you're trying to please God. You can't please everybody. I have to hear that. I'm saying that a lot because I need to hear that all the time. All right? That's the first thing. Number two, I tell God how I feel. You ever been ridiculed? How does it make you feel? I don't know about you. When I get ridiculed, I start getting upset, I start getting mad. And I'm trying to find a way to get, get even. I've been called a lot of names. You could probably think of a few. Not that people have called me, but you can think of a few that people have called you. <laughs> but I've been called a lot of names. I was One time I was called Judas Iscariot. I've been called, you, you, you lied, you're a liar. See, some of these names that I've been called and some of the names you've been called, you could say, yeah, that's true. I've done that. I've also been called a wicked shepherd that's leading people into the desert, like Ezekiel 34 warns. Remember that, Alan? Remember those days? Yeah. I've been called a lot of names. And do they upset you? Oh, yeah. Do they discourage you? Yeah. You ever want to quit when someone calls you a name? You know, we never really outgrow that sometimes, do we? Somebody levels something, criticism, or something. I'm out. I'm out. No one likes to be ridiculed. And when we get ridiculed, we get upset and sometimes we get very angry. And so what do we do? What do I do? Well, how about I just talk to God about it first? There are lots of prayers. I've, if you read the book of Psalms, for example, I, I made this observation one time in a preacher's meeting. You know, all these old preachers are around and I wasn't old yet. And I made this statement. I thought, oh, they're going to chew it up, chew me up and spit me out. I said, I noticed something about... I was 40. I said, I noticed something. David in the Psalms, it's like a lot of his prayers in his songs start off, he's sad, then mad, then glad. By the end of the song, he starts off, I'm just so sad. This is happening to me. Man, it's me. I don't like it. And I'm going to, God, I want you to knock these people on, you know, crush their teeth, crumble them, dis, you know, disintegrate them, obliterate them. And then he's like, God, thank you for not doing that to me. And, you know. Okay, thanks, man. I'm okay. <laughs> and he moves on. 
And he moves on. And I had a couple of preachers say, you know, Tim, I've never seen that before. You are absolutely right. And there's lots of prayers where believers are talking to God about what they're going through and, and they're venting. Can I do that? I think you can. Look at this psalm here. This is David speaking. Wicked people and liars have spoken against me. They have told lies about me. They have said hateful things about me and attacked me for no reason. They attacked me even though I loved them and prayed for them. I was good to them. But they reply, but they repay me with evil. I love them, but they hate me in return. I listened to a preacher this week say this phrase. That's why I wanted to put it in the notes. Instead of taking it out on others, talk it out with God. Well, that's good. I needed to hear that. Instead of taking it out, a lot of times, when we're, again, when we're, people are showing disapproval, we start just taking it out on them. We take it out on other people that weren't even, aren't even relating to the problem. Instead of doing that, talk it out to God. Why? Because when you talk it out to God, it's almost like David. You're able to sort things out. By letting off that steam a little bit, he's helping you he helps you get a better grip on the situation. Lamentations 3 says this up on the screen. This is Jeremiah speaking. Lord, you have heard their insults, all their plots against me. I mean, basically saying, have you, did, have you just heard what they're saying about me? I've had a lot of prayers like that. Where I went, God, what have I done? Did you just hear that? Can you believe they said that to me? And he, I can see God going, uh-huh, yeah. What do you think about that, Tim? What do you think? I just can't believe it. Are you are you bleeding anywhere, Tim? No. Are you are you injured in some way? Well, my feelings got hurt. Oh, well, listen to yourself. You know, something happens when we start praying and talking to God and praying through this. It just helps us. It calms us down. It sets things in their true perspective. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me when I take it to God. They really can't. Number three, I rely on God and refuse to retaliate. This is something I see in Jesus so many times. He's, he's relying on His Lord and refusing to retaliate. Proverbs 12 says this, Foolish people are easily upset, but, a, but wise people pay no attention to hurtful words. I watched one time, I told this story before, I watched, uh, I was dating Denise, I'm over there at the house at Bone Gap, and Bob and Norm are in the kitchen, and Bob accidentally knocks over a bunch of bananas on the floor, and Norm, Norma goes, Bob, you better pick that up right now before I use you to mop it up. And Bob just goes, <laughs> I'm like, in my house, my mother would have been punched in the nose. I'm expecting that to happen. I'm like, how could he just sit there? He needs to knock her around or something. Do something, Bob. He is doing something. He's choosing not to retaliate because it's not worth it. It just isn't worth it. See, a foolish response to ridicule is to get mad and try to get back. You call me a name? Well, I got a name for you. And what is it? Remember Bugs Bunny when they, and Yosemite Sam, I think it was, when they're, they're, they're uh, getting into a conflict and Yosemite Sam's, 
chasing Bugs Bunny with a gun, and all of a sudden he stops, and he takes off running, here comes Bugs Bunny, and he's got a bigger gun, and he stops, and then here comes Yosemite Sam with a, something else, and then Bugs Bunny's got a cannon. And that's what we do. You know, somebody calls me a name, well, i got a name for you. We always try to up the ante, up the ante, up the ante. You know people like this? Maybe you might be that person. But you got, oh, well, you can't call me that. I'm going to call you that. And, and not to get even. I want to be, I'm going to ante up. I'm all in on this one. Or, or you're going to attack my character? Well, I know some things about you nobody else knows. And let me bring them up to people. That's a so foolish. You see, when, whenever I re- refuse to retaliate and begin to rely on God, I take away the power of the ridicule. I take away the power of the disapproval. I notice this about Jesus. Instead of fighting fire with fire, He fights fire with faithfulness. Look at this here in 1 Peter 2. When they hurled their insults at Him, He's talking about Jesus here, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Trying to get even? He didn't even make a threat. Instead, what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What's he doing? He's relying on God, refusing to retaliate. I mean, what I notice is when Jesus is ridiculed, he's teaching us when we're ridiculed, take the higher ground. Take the higher ground. Don't stoop to that level. Of, don't, don't go back to the third grade. Anybody enjoy third grade, by the way? I did not. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I was not crazy about the third grade. I, I want to grow. I wanted to shave. I wanted to drive. Of course, when I started shaving and driving, I didn't. I, I got old in a hurry. But so I see the point. But Jesus seems to take the higher ground. I mentioned earlier the very first insult I noticed was he he uh, was called a Samaritan. He doesn't even respond to that. He didn't say a word about it. When he's when he's on the cross. They're hurling insults at him. He doesn't make a threat. If you do some studies about uh, Roman history and and Roman uh, crucifixion, a lot of people who were crucified would yell at the people, the crowd, and say, that guy right there is the guy that got me up here on this cross, and I have some family members here. See him? He's right over there. They'd make threats. Or... You know, you got me today, but I'm going to come back from the grave and haunt you for the rest of your life. Jesus didn't do that. In, in the message, in the message paraphrase, there's that, you know the passage where Jesus is on the cross and it says one of the criminals started hurling insults at him and he says, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and save us. The message says, this is the way the message says it, some Messiah you are. Save yourself and, and, and us while you're at it. Wow. Even a true name of Christ, they tried to use as an insult. And what's he do? He doesn't retaliate. He makes no threats. And I notice this, and he calls us to this same kind of life of fighting fire with faithfulness. He says, love your enemies in, in Matthew 5. Bless those who are cursing you. Do good to those hating you. And pray for those accusing you falsely and persecuting you. This may be one of the toughest Scriptures in the Bible for me. I'm with people that... Have you ever been out maybe at Lowe's or Walmart or 
I don't know where you are, and you run into somebody that used to be here or used to be in your small group or, or they've left, and they look at you with some kind of disdain. Man, it hurts. They look, I'm, and I want to go, what are you looking at me like that for? That's what I want to do. They just look at you like, Hoof. if you only knew what you did to me. I had a teenager one time, uh, years later, 15, 20 years later, he's got kids of his own, he calls me up, man, Tim, I can't even have a beer without feeling bad, and it's all your fault. I'm going, I didn't know I had that power over you. Wow. I had no idea. I mean, you have these people, they look at you, and they're like, you just think you're all that. And you can just tell the rejection and the disapproval in just the way they ignore you. Jesus says, bless them, Tim. Do good to them, Tim. Pray for them. Love them. That is so hard. Am I close? No. And I'll go, hi, how are you doing? Well, I was, I'm doing much better since I'm gone away from you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, go to the hammer section in Lowe's. <laughs> oh. And he calls us to this. Because that's how he was. He didn't make threats. He didn't even respond. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Peter said this, who knew Jesus well, who understood peer pressure and disapproval, says, do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing. He's saying, take that higher ground. Because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. David says it this way, People full of pride are always making fun of me. I love this next part. But I have not stopped following your teachings. See, when you're ridiculed, when you and I are ridiculed, we got to remember, and, and, and people make fun of us, refuse to stoop to their level, man. And just be, be better than the critic. Be better than the critic. And fight that fire with your faithfulness to God. He'll bless it. He'll bless it. Number four. When, I, when people show disapproval to me, when they're ridiculing me, I pray for those who mistreat me. Another tough passage. You know, I know we're dealing with some tough passages. Awful quiet in here. I know they're tough passages, but they're in here. We've got to talk about them, okay? I pray for those who mistreat me. Yeah, I pray for them. God, get them. God, grind them in the dust. Melt them like that Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I want to see those glasses go. I love that scene. Don't tell me you haven't prayed something like that before. Maybe not that specific. I have, but not that. Maybe you haven't. And there's places in the Bible to talk about that. Crush them, Lord. Knock their teeth out. The Bible talks about that. Righteous people praying this way. Is that so? Can I pray that way? Well, Jesus comes along and says, "Hey, man." Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Oh man, you ruined it. I know, but that's, that's what I want you to do. You pray for those that curse you. you. You bless them and you pray for those who mistreat you. What do you pray about? Well, you can talk about how you feel, but maybe pray, help them 
turn. Help them see it differently. I mean, when, you know, we're all, a lot of us, all of us are here because somebody was praying for you. Somebody was saying, oh, wake them up. Help them see how they're being. And all of a sudden, one day, you, you know, you wake up and go, hmm, begin to consider something. Then you end up going to church. You're like, how did I get here? Oh, some people were praying for you. They weren't saying crush them, destroy them, nuke them. No, get them. Get them here. In this church building, there are names all over this building. You may not know that. We may have not talked about this in a while. But every two by four under this wall, even on the ceiling, there are some names of people. And there's some people here that you, I watched you put their name up on the ceiling. I could not get that high. I was scared. And, I, and all these doors all, you know, up on, underneath them, when they finally, if they ever tear this building down, when they do, they're going to say, what are all these names in here for? They're the people that everybody that was attending here is going, oh, I long to see. They pray about it. And by writing that name, it's got some visual power of it. Yeah, God, I'd love to have my husband, my wife, my child, my grandparents, my friends. And it comes from prayer. Prayer is very, very, very powerful. I hear people say, well, there's no miracles are no longer around. And, and I know I understand some of the context of that kind of statement, but the miracle of prayer is still here. It's amazing what happens when we just start talking to God and Jesus says, oh, pray for those who mistreat you. Even He prayed, look at this, they're killing Him. And He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, Father, they have no idea. I could imagine... John is hearing that because he's at the foot of the cross. Mary is hearing that at the foot of the cross. A Roman centurion is hearing that at the foot of the cross. He sees how Jesus dies and says, surely this is the Son of God because only someone like this would pray for the people that are trying to kill Him. No threat. No threat. I'm not going to get even. No, it's... Praying to God, praying for those people. And I don't know about you, but you know, I'm, as I pray, I notice this: as I pray for people who mistreat me, and I pray that they'll change, it begins to change me. It really does. It starts changing me. Maybe that's why one of the reasons God's wanting us to pray for enemies because there's more than one person needs to change. Number five: I rejoice that I share His name. How do I handle disapproval as a believer? I rejoice. I get excited. I'm glad. I become glad because I am sharing His name when I go through this. First um, Peter four. Now I know we got a, we got a passage on the script uh, on the screen here. You go ahead and put it up there. I'm going to read. I'm going to read a, a few verses before and after. It says, "Dear friends, don't be." This is First Peter four in the Living Bible. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. Dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead, for this is no strange, unusual thing that is going to happen to you. Instead, be really glad, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in His sufferings, and afterwards you'll have the wonderful joy of sharing His glory in that coming day when it will be displayed. Verse 14 says, Be happy. 
if you're cursed and insulted for being a Christian. For when that happens, the Spirit of God will come upon you with great glory. Don't let me hear of your suffering for murdering or stealing or making trouble or being a busybody or prying into people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being in Christ's family and being called by His wonderful name. And the word Christian only appears three times in the Bible. Only three times. Two times in the book of Acts and right here. The world, were, the world called believers Christians. It came from the world. What's it mean? It means to be of Christ or Christ-like. But when they gave that name and they called, oh, you're a Christian, they weren't saying it as a compliment. It was meant to be an insult. Oh, you're a Christian. You're a goody two-shoe. Oh, you're one of those guys that follows that Jesus guy. You ever anybody say, oh, you go to church. Same thing. Go to church? That's a good thing. Ah, you go to church. I bet they're taking your money. Oh, you're a Christian. I'm not. I'm this. I'm this. Oh, you believe this and this and this. And they start attacking what you, what you believe, what you say, what the Bible teaches. And what I notice is he's saying, you be, rejoice, be glad when that happens. Why would I be glad when somebody's looking at me at Walmart with such disdain and snarling at me? Why would I be excited about somebody saying, you know, you're in this because you want money. You're, you know, you're getting it for the money, Tim, or you're in it for the power, or, you know, I just, I think you, how can I consider that to be good? Because it's awful. It feels awful. He says, I'll tell you why. Because ridicule is proof you're following Jesus. Remember what Peter said? He goes, I hope you, you know, I don't want you to suffer like a murderer or a busybody or somebody. What is he saying? You know, there's proof and it sticks. If you're going to suffer, I don't want you to suffer that way. I mean, if, if you hurt somebody, will you be, well, is that disapproved of by any chance? If you kill someone, it's still disapproved of. People don't like that. They might call you names. I wonder what kind of names they call you. Yeah. Murderer. Oh, that don't sound very positive. Ouch. Thief. Is still ink still wrong? Yeah, I think last time I checked, yeah. Still call the cops. He's, he's a cat burglar. Well, what's wrong with a cat? Why, why do you call him a cat? Cat burglar. Thief. Shoplifter. What, he lifted a whole building? No, no, he's lifted stuff. He's a thief. And see, some of these words that we're called, like, you know, you cheated me, or you're a liar, or you, you're a hypocrite. Well, sometimes they stick, don't they? And we do suffer. But when it's something that says you're Christ-like, you want it to stick, church. You want that people to say that. Oh, you're a Christian. You want to insult what you believe. Why? Because it's, it's, it confirms that I'm following Christ. Now ask yourself, what have you been confirming lately? I mean, if it said, Tim is, what would people say? What would stick? Tim can be full of pride. 
Got me. Tim can be critical. Oh, got me. Tim's is a complainer. Oh man. I mean, I'm if you're playing Battleship with me, I'm I'm sunk. Tim is. Think about well, how would how would people fill your name? You're this. And why would they say that? Could be there's evidence. They're just evidence of it. Would they say you're a Christian? Is there enough evidence for them to say you're a, you're a believer? You're a serious, you're a disciple. It's a heavy question to think about, church. Because if they do, oh, you're a Christian, you're serious. And they say it with to, to, to insult you, oh, be so happy about it. Wow. You know, I think some of us here, we're, we, live too, we live too much to blend in with the world. And when you live like that, what, ha- what occurs is nobody, nobody sees Jesus and nobody gets saved. Nobody ends up knowing how wonderful God is. I mean, think about the paradox here. How do you see God's great love? It's on the, the paradox of a cross. Of a cross. A, a criminal's death. We see the love of God. And so the world's going, I don't see how that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I get it. Yeah, me too. I, I've felt that way for many years. I don't, how could love be seen? They, everybody killed him. Oh, he laid down his life. And when I, when you and I will, will be the kind of people that will go, you know, it's not about me anymore, and I'll even lay down my life. I'll set myself aside. And I'll try to please God. You're, not, you're going to be some people who are going to go, some people are going to go, they're not pleased. And some people are going to go, whoa. I didn't expect that. And they can understand Christ a little bit more. Peter says, if, just remember, when you're insulted for Christ, you're actually blessed. Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of glory and of God says, rests on you. People know you're for real. So how's that going this morning? As I close, I, I couldn't help as I was putting this lesson together, all the insulting. I got to thinking, have I ever filled that blank in? You ever thought about that? Have you ever filled an insulting name? You say, oh, I'd never do that. Are you sure? You see, um, in my weak moments, in my moments I'm just not doing the best, I, I sometimes could probably, I could insult Jesus. I'd say, I could say, I could fill it in this way. Jesus, you're out of touch with what I'm going through. Or Jesus, I can't find you anywhere. You've deserted me. You're a deserter. Or Jesus, I'm not sure you really care. I'm not sure you're interested. Those thoughts have went through my mind. Have they went through yours? Just think about that. Maybe it's something you can discuss in a small group. Like, okay, I have to admit there's been times I have, I'm not calling him a Samaritan. I didn't call him being possessed, but I have called him, I've called him weak. 
and I've called him harsh or demanding. You see, how you fill that blank in is so important. It's so important. You've got a card in your bulletin and we're going to give you a moment as we, we're going to sing a song, give you a moment if you want to fill something out in that card, maybe a prayer request or a decision. Or if you're real courageous this morning, but Jesus is, and what is Jesus to you? Let people pray for you all this week. Or I want Jesus to be this in my life. Maybe you would like to have a Bible study. There's, I think, a place to check. I want a Bible study. I want to know more about uh, what what uh, this church has for my family or for my children, uh, or I need some need some help in a particular area. It, we've got that on that card. We're going to give you a chance to to uh, fill out those cards as we sing this song, and then we'll then we'll sing another song and dismiss you. You can leave those cards in the baskets there on the tables as you leave. God bless you as you and I learn more about who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much so very much for this morning. And Lord, thank You for just the model that Jesus, Your Son, gives us. <clears throat> because there are times when people don't, dis- they, they, they don't approve of what we're doing. And pleasing You is tough sometimes. And, and to please You means we're not going to make someone in our family happy or we're not going to make someone in our small group happy or where we work happy. Sometimes, God, sometimes pleasing you doesn't make me happy initially. But oh God, we we pray that we'll follow the example of your son Jesus who refused to retaliate, who prayed for those that hurt him, that, that fought the fire that he faced with just being faithful to you. We're just so encouraged this morning, Father, because we know at one time we were enemies of You. And You patiently worked through people to get us here. And Father, we know there's people around us right now we think, oh, we'll, we'll never be able to reach them. Help us see them with new eyes, with a new heart. Help us share our faith with them, Father. To be unafraid, to be courageous. Help us be the kind of people that if someone does insult us, it's because we want to do what you want, not what we want. We pray in Christ's name.